Turned on it. High drive into left field. Left field. Gone into the White Sox bullpen. Turned on it. Swing and a miss. Strike three, and this one's over. Sox win. Sox win. In time, and the White Sox have won the ball game. And the 1-1 delivery. That's a high fly ball into left field. Backing up now is Freeman. He'll turn. He'll look. And this one is gone. Jose Abreu. One more time here to James McCann. And that's a high fly ball into deep left field. Freeman won't even make an attempt at that one. It's way out of here. James McCann. This is White Sox Weekly. Yes! The Chicago baseball conversation on the flagship home of the Sox. 720 WGN. And that one's hit in the air deep into left field. Turning and watching is Stewart. And this one's gone. A solo homer to lead off the game on the 10th pitch of the at-bat. Tim Anderson victorious. And that's down the right field line. Chasing that one is Reyes. He'll turn and watch and this one is gone. Back-to-back home runs for the White Sox as Eloy Jimenez goes opposite field one more time. Here's Mark Carmen. Good afternoon on a busy sports day. In Chicago, yes indeed, my name is Mark Carmen. your name is Joe Brand, you're in here too Joe Brand, how are you Joe Brand, good I, to see you Joe Brand. I'm doing great Mark Carmen. Um, thank you very much for referencing my tweet, which yes, there is a lot of sports going on, <laughs> how about the fact that the team we're talking about is playing right now? Yeah, it's a little bizarre today just to get you up to speed as to why we are on right now opposite uh, the White Sox game, which is if you'd like to hear the White Sox game. Uh, in a play-by-play forum, you can go over to AM1000 and do that. Uh, we are here to do White Sox Weekly, and we'll tell you every single thing uh, that is happening, including Paul Goldschmidt just hit a ball that did not land yet, I believe, and in, in, I think actually just did somewhere on the Dan Ryan uh, off of Zach Birdie. And it's a 1-1, Cardinals and White Sox in the top of the fourth inning at Guaranteed Rate Field. Sox did lose the opener today, 5-1. to It was a rough First inning in particular for Lucas Giolito. And why don't we start the show right there, Joe Brand, and 312-981-7200 Sox fans who are with us today. You are the true diehard, and we love you. So feel free to jump on in here. Uh, but, you know, Lucas was bad on opening day. He's been very good ever since, and he just was not great today in the first. And, uh, you know, seven-inning game, Sox and Eva, you know, the full nine to come back. Don't know if they would have really done that anyway in an extra two innings. But, it was concerning that basically walk and a couple of hit batters. He's he's getting in his own way, which uh, that's old old Lucas Giolito. It's not great to see it reappear today. Yeah, it's interesting you bring up opening day because that is the outing that today reminded me most of. But still, Giolito was better than he was on opening day. It, it's the fastball command from the get go. That that's what the issue is. He admitted it in the post game interview too. The difference was his fastball command was off on opening day, and then he's leaving some down the middle or a changeup that the Minnesota Twins were just waiting on. Today, you just had the St. Louis Cardinals that were patient, weren't swinging at anything out of the zone, and then he just went a little bit too inside on a couple of guys when he goes back-to-back hit-by-pitches. But isn't Matt Carpenter one of those notorious guys that gets hit-by-pitches all the time? And Steve Stone kind of broke it down, too. The way he was batting, the way you turn out of the way, you're actually sticking your elbow closer to the strike zone, and that's where it just got nicked. And that's what brought in the first run, and then Dexter Fowler just pokes one in the left center. So, I mean, that that wasn't an implosion of Lucas Giolito, I thought. He did settle down and move forward, It was, and that's the difference in the game right there in the first inning. True. He wasn't getting battered around. It And the Matt Carpenter thing, 
I don't know why more guys who have played baseball their entire life do not develop that skill where instead of just leaping out of the way when sometimes it's really to your benefit, especially in this case with the bases loaded, that if I get hit, that's a run. Now, by the way, I don't know if you've ever played baseball, uh, let alone Major League Baseball, or let's go to like high school baseball and been hit by or even can we, a, can we go a little bit uh even earlier yeah. for me okay fine pony league baseball yeah yeah that was about it for so, me so getting hit by a baseball flat out hurts <laughs> like the, it, there's there's no way so i get like guys don't want to get hit but it, it hurts more in the elbow the way it hit carpenter than say if you got hit in the calf you know you're a little more flesh down there yeah but He's very well padded that on that too. elbow. So that, that too. So it's those guys that are getting standing close to the plate, knowing that that could be a very possible a possible thing to happen. But I think that's part of it too. You got to crowd the plate, and you got to have that stance, and you got to be comfortable in that stance. And here we get a ground ball on the right side. Nice play, Danny Mendick, and from his knees, from shallow right, Danny Mendick. I know we're going to be talking a lot about him today because of the news of Leori Garcia from earlier today. But Danny Mendick is really showing me some things lately. So my favorite thing, as we segue away from Lucas Giolito, and by the way, I believe in you, Lucas Giolito. I do. I think you're going to continue to get better and better and better and and will hit elite at some point. But I do think that it's going to be a second before we're getting the fully, you know what you're going to get every single time out, bona fide all-star, more like Justin Verlander, Lucas Giolito than what the White Sox have seen in a couple of starts this year. Do you think he gets there if he doesn't need to be the ace of a staff? Would it help him more? Is, are you, is that what yeah. you're asking? If he doesn't have to be... I, I don't I don't think so. Lucas is such a heady individual who l- literally thinks through everything. Yes. I, think, I think when Lucas Giolito goes to the bathroom, he assesses when he's going to turn on the lights... How long it's going to take. You don't do this? I don't. I don't. I'm a little more fly by what, the seat of my pants. What hand are you going to wash first in the sink? What right. hand are you going to turn the water off with? What websites he's going to check out? You know what? I can read both the ESPN and the Athletic in this trip. Uh, and it's going to take me from 7.52 to 8.03. Oh, wow. So we're taking we're talking about a very specific procedure in the bathroom yes okay i I think lucas is just a very well thought i mean you when you listen to him all kidding aside when you listen to him break down one of his outings he's got incredible recall self-awareness all of it. I mean, he's a very. This is a and same thing with Dylan Cease. By yes. the way, yeah, I was going to bring that up. I mean, they're both very in tune with their emotions and their thoughts, and especially on the mound because I think both of them have worked hard at that and they've seen the success from it, and that's what they hold to their belief of of moving forward and being a better pitcher. I don't. I don't know if it's Lucas getting in his own head though. In the first inning, he did say today he's like, I'm not sure if. If uh, I was putting too much pressure on myself or anything like that, but but I do think it's it's momentous and it's contagious at, at times because just like on opening day when Juan Mancada hits that three run homer to tie the game up at five, Lucas settled in. He lost his control once again in that game, but but he does gain the momentum from the rest of the team. And right now, I don't want to say right now, but in Game 1, you are seeing the White Sox going back to a few of those struggles 
that they did before the Dallas Keuchel speech, which I know you want to get into later on today. But I do think a big factor is the, of this is just Adam Wainwright knowing how to pitch. Uh, yeah, listen, the guy's been winning baseball games for a long time, and I guess the perfect guy to bring the Cardinals back into playing baseball Sitting at two and three on August the fifteenth. Remind me after the show. I got to call two of my friends whose birthday is today that I have not called. To oh, this happy point. belated birthday, ha- by the ha- way. Happy belated. Oh, thank you to me, right? And happy <laughs> birthday today to uh, David Frank and Chris Carter, who I both, who I grew up with both of them. I know you wanted to wish them a happy oh, birthday of course. too, right? Of course. Curtis Coke producing the program loves the diesel and uh, Carter, who was a phenomenal defenseman. I was going to say that's that's that Chris Carter. That's, that's you. That, that's that Chris that's, Carter. That's really your friend that you're calling. The, the, he, he was amazing for uh, the Falcons and Highland Park High school and then Bentley College all that was true uh, before we move along here because I want to I'm trying to finish all thoughts because we did bring up Danny Mendek for yeah, one split second and we'll cont- we can talk more about Danny Mendek but just to finish a thought the dancing in the clubhouse that Danny Mendek and Zach Collins are doing and I've mentioned this on multiple White Sox weeklies but I can't mention it enough is so good and so entertaining that if you're not on Twitter it's worth getting on Twitter just for their dance routines do you enjoy it as much as I enjoy it I mean of course I enjoy players showing their true colors and and having fun in the clubhouse I did not expect Zach Collins to be one of those guys to do that he seems more like a a reserved kind of guy. I know he's he's a very nice guy. We talked a lot last season before and after the games, but uh, yeah, definitely surprised to see him being one of the guys to let loose well, that way. Mendick is bringing out Zach Collins, who I've seen Zach Collins. I, I, whenever I talk to Zach Collins, he's kind of a relaxed Zach Collins, if you will. Right, we got to take our first break here. We'll, we're with you till 5.30 on White Sox Weekly. We've got an hour of Sports Central for you up to 6.30. Blackhawks hockey on WGN tonight, which is why the White Sox are on AM 1000, uh, if you want to listen to the ball game over there. And, of course, we'll keep you up to date. 1-1 as we move to the bottom of the fourth inning. Uh, leading off the fourth for the White Sox is Yoan Moncada. Uh, so we'll go Moncada followed by Grandal and Abreu in the bottom of the fourth in a 1-1 game. Really nice start, by the way, again, for Matt Foster. Two innings, 25 pitches. This guy's pitched incredibly well. Cody Hoyer uh, was nice, too, in his inning of work. I like, I, I'm enjoying his motion more than anything else. Got a little flair. <laughs> like a little flair in my motion. I, I, I've never heard anyone describe their... Go ahead. Enjoying of watching a pitcher as liking their motion, but okay, I'll go I, I with like, it. I like a good Dennis Eckersley style. You totally threw me off. That's that's where right. I, what I was getting at. But um, I mean, it just shows how how deep this White Sox relief staff is. Everyone who comes up can do it. Yeah, and uh, Zach Birdie gave up a home run today, but I'm very optimistic on what Zach Birdie's going to be for this ball club. By the way, White Sox baseball is back, but it's not the same without you. Keep your ballpark traditions alive in 2021. Let's talk some ticket plans, group outings, and more. Call or text Sox Ticks to 312-674-1000 or visit WhiteSox.com today. Also, the White Sox Charities Sox Car Raffle is backed by popular demand. You can now enter to win a White Sox-themed Mazda CX-30. Courtesy of Mazda of Orland Park, new this season, the car was designed by a White Sox fan. Visit WhiteSox.com slash Sox Car to buy... Uh, slash socks car to buy your raffle tickets valid for Illinois residents only. That is Joe, the ultimate brand. You like that? 
just came up with that one. <laughs> you, what, what did you come it up come it up out of? Because I, I don't know. Were you just, talking to Sam Martino about UFC fighting? No, now we got nicknames going on or something. I, I didn't have anything to do with Sam Martino, who's doing a great job and doing whatever he's doing here today, which is something amazing. But I know I just came up with the ultimate bread, the brand name. Okay, the, the, now I get it. I guess the, I get the, it. This, this, I'll, I'll keep on playing with it. Uh, White Sox Weekly. 720 WGN. We got some guys coming out and, and, and taking professional at bats, you know, being professional on the mound and, and doing what it takes to win. We got some guys kind of going through the motions. So we need to clean, we need to clean a lot of things up. And, and, um, you know, if we want to be in this thing at the end of the season, we're going to have to start that now. And when you have enough talent to potentially win every game, it's very frustrating when, when you have games like this and it just seemed, seemed like we were, we were out of it from, from the get go. That was Dallas Keuchel after the White Sox lost a game in Detroit. Wow. Three years, $55 million. Been here not that long. And, uh, hey, veteran in the playoffs last year with Atlanta, Cy Young Award winner, world champion with the Houston Astros, and not liking what he's seeing and not afraid to speak out. And I said I had the postgame that night. And I said that I, or maybe I didn't. Maybe I was just on Twitter. I don't remember. No, you were on Baseball Night in Chicago. I was on with Baseball David Kaplan. Right, I was on Baseball Night in Chicago. That's embarrassing. I had nothing going on that night, so I was watching. <laughs> How did I do? What, what you did great. I thought so. Uh, you said, and and correct me if I'm wrong. You said I like that coming from that guy. That's a reason you paid that much money for that guy. Uh, you also brought up the fact that I hope and I think he did tell the team this before coming out to the media. Which he did. That's what I was going to pat myself on the back for. Like, I <laughs> and did, I just did it for you, so you. Good, congratulations. Well, because it, it was just logically like, that's a veteran. He's smart enough to know that I'm not just going to go stand up there and say this without telling the guys, because then they're like, who the hell are you? But he's probably went in there and said, I don't like this. This, And by the way, I'm going to go stand there. I'm going to call everybody out, so know that this is coming. That's a leader right there. I, whether whether you agree or disagree, he's he's leading by by putting the... the, the what am I trying to say? The uh, the rubber's hitting the road is what I'm getting at here. I, in his mind, I think, and and I, I, I from a White Sox fan standpoint, I think you gotta love that. I I am totally in agreement with everything that he did. I think it's 100 percent fair. Uh, we talked about it how the majority of the team seemed to respond well to it. And I'm not even talking about play on the field, but what they said. Tim Anderson said that Dallas Keuchel did the right thing. I think there are some leaders on this team. I think Tim Anderson is a leader, but I don't know how much of a vocal leader he is in that clubhouse. I think Jose Abreu is a leader, but I think he's more of a leader for more of the Hispanic crew rather than the entire team. But he's still a leader. He's still the veteran on this team. I think Lucas Giolito is a leader, but he's more of a quiet confidence kind of leader. Dallas Keuchel is a guy that can say that. He's got the resume to back it up. And he doesn't have to be well liked right away. He's just he's saying, guys, I, I'm here to win. I've I've won before. This is what I'm seeing. This is why I think we're faulting right now. And this is what needs to change. And it did in those first two games against Detroit. Right. So that was the other thing. The next day, I'm like, put your money on the White Sox. I guarantee a win tonight. That was one thought I had. The it's interesting that when you say Abreu and like maybe he's I think he's more of a mentor perhaps to some of the. Latin players because they're coming up and and if you're going to ask questions and you don't speak the language as well, of course you're going to go to Jose Abreu who's been here for a minute. Looks like that's going to be a bomb off the bat of Eloy out to right field, opposite field too. 
That is a home run, and the White Sox have taken a 2-1 lead. Was that number five for Eloy? 3-1 lead. There was a runner on. His sixth, sixth oh, it was home a runner run. on. My bad. Okay. Sixth home run. Sixth home run. You know, for a guy who's having some interesting times out in left field, he's having a, an underrated season here, at least going deep. Six homers already. So what are we at? We're 20 games. It's 21st game, whatever. So it's a third of the way. He's on pace for 20 homers. That's I, not bad. I do want to know how many opposite field home runs he's hit. I, I know the one in Detroit was. Uh, I want to say at least one more because that's a guy that, when he goes the other way, he's just trying to barrel up the baseball. You do see a lot of aggressive swings coming from Eloy Jimenez, but if he's able to expand the zone and just barrel up the baseball, you're going to see a lot more productive hits and a lot more hits with authority like that. That's a great point by the ultimate brand right there, because it's true. He, that swing, you can't see it. I understand you're driving around <laughs> or listening on the app, and we appreciate it. But it was a very easy swing. It's not like he was trying to jack the ball out to right field. He's just taking an easy swing on it. He's a little bit late trying to make contact, and he's just that strong that it ends up sailing out of the ballpark. And But that's the thing. It's He has that opposite field power, so a lot of times he will try to manufacture a hit that way, but if all he cares about is squaring up in the baseball and hitting it with authority, then those home runs will come. The more you try to make that happen, the less it's going to. But a guy like Tim Anderson figured that out last year, and that's why he was able to win the batting title because he didn't care about pulling the ball over the fence anymore. He just cared about you know, going after those outside pitches with a plan rather than trying to pull it. And that's when he all of a sudden is poking all these line drives into right field. Uh, I know we keep bouncing around from point to point, but that's going to happen when the game is going on while we're doing this show. But what were you saying about Jose Abreu and the Dallas Keuchel statements? Oh. Because Abreu seemed to be the one White Sox player that had something else to say other than good on Dallas Keuchel. Well, I, listen, I think that Jose Abreu has the respect of literally everyone in that clubhouse, probably anyone who's ever been in the White Sox clubhouse in Abreu's tenure with the team, which is, uh, you know... Going back to, what, 2014? 2014, yep. So, I mean, this is a very well-respected guy, not just in that clubhouse, but all throughout baseball. I I do think he's especially a mentor to the Latin guys coming up. I mean, him and Johan Moncada, lockering next to each other, a lot of time spent there. Um, Ronaldo Lopez, kind of a, a, a long list. But... To your point, as far as like a vocal leader throughout that clubhouse calling guys out, it's not as much his personality, at least that what I've experienced. And his comments on this, uh, as far as you know, and Scott Merkin wrote wrote this up. He said Jose Abreu truly appreciated the direct sentiment expressed by Dallas Keuchel to his White Sox teammates immediately following Monday's five one loss to the Tigers. But so here, here's how the quote reads. Like, Merck wrote it like that, but then the quote, I think the conversation that we had with him, that he had with us, it didn't really affect the way, the way that we played the last two games. Now he's talking about after they, they won a couple games. Mm-hmm. I think we would do that either way. This was Abreu on Friday talking uh, through the White Sox interpreter, Billy Russo. He had some concerns, and he's a veteran. He shared those concerns with us, and I appreciate that. It's not a secret that the first game in Detroit wasn't one of our best games, but it wasn't because we didn't want to do good. It was just one of those games where we couldn't do better in that particular time. The next two days we did perform, and we did what we were supposed to do. That's why I think there's no reason for people to put the spotlight on what Dallas said because we won the last two games. I think we would do it either way. So he's giving him credit, but he's also 
He's, saying like, hey, yeah, he's. I like the fact that he cares that much and he wanted to say something, but let's not make it out like he just made us win games because we would have done that anyway. He's saying there's a chance that there was not a direct correlation of Dallas Keuchel says something, White Sox win. Honestly, they both could be right because you don't know what really happened. I'll tell you what happened, though, is Tim Anderson set the tone with his 11-pitch at-bat. That's his first game back coming from the injured list. You just put a little spark in that lineup. Then Eloy Jimenez hits that opposite field home run. But you did see guys finally come up with with some solid approaches. And whether or not they had Dallas Keuchel's words in their heads when they were coming up to the plate, they were different at-bats. Before you saw... I mean, this stat coming from James Fagan of uh, The Athletic, he said that the White Sox were averaging less than four pitches per at-bat before that game against Detroit on, what would it be, Tuesday. I mean, that's really bad. And this is a deep lineup... A lot of veterans, I mean, yeah, there's some young guys, but there are veterans on that lineup that know that that should not be the case. They're chasing pitches. They're not swinging at pitches in the zone. They did the exact opposite in those last two games against Detroit. Again, uh, boy, I think it was Joe Madden, and I, I'm sorry to bring up Joe Madden's name on White Sox Weekly, but I, I think his uh, message was always, if you're having a losing slump, or you're in a slump, I should say, and you freak out on the team, and you have this big message, and throw chairs. What happens if you lose the next game? What do you do? So there's always that side of the coin. So yes, when something good comes from it, it's, look at this guy, what what a stand-up person, baseball mind, this is what we needed. But now you take what happened in Game 1 against Adam Wainwright. Is this just the Sox struggling again? Is it Adam Wainwright being the veteran pitcher that he is? I think it's just a combination of both. I don't think there's too much to look into it for game one. All right, I got I have multiple responses and our and our <laughs> rambling White Sox weekly here, which I hope you're enjoying as much as we're enjoying being here with you. Thank you for putting on seven twenty WGN. I want to respond to the Madden thing. I wanna have a conversation on who you think that Dallas Keiko was talking about, perhaps. We'll take okay. a stab at that. And I whether Abreu's or is is right or wrong on whether it had an impact or not? I want to talk about the benefit of what he said. Period. As far the result does not matter. Explain that uh, coming on back here. White Sox Weekly, seven twenty WGN. Playing behind Dallas is awesome. The best part is, as you can tell, he's a competitor. He goes out there and every pitch that he makes, if he you know if he leaves a changeup out and he doesn't, it, it's a non-competitive pitch. He gets mad at himself because he wants to make every pitch perfect. You know, when you got a guy doing stuff like that. Uh, being in the field behind him, you want to make every play. So I'll tell you what, I love being behind Dallas, and we're going to get him some wins. Um, we're going to get it rolling here soon. This is White Sox Weekly. That is Danny Mendek talking about Dallas Keuchel and his comments after Monday's game in Detroit, which the White Sox won, lost 5-1. F- to one. I have no idea how to fade the music, Curtis, so <laughs> you'll, you'll have to handle that. It's probably the hotkeys, which is already... No, there you go. It was a beautiful uh, transition, I, I felt. Uh, Chicago White Sox Charities online auction continues each week. Each auction starts Monday and ends the following Sunday at 7 p.m. All net proceeds benefit Chicago White Sox Charities. Check out the items up for bid at whitesox.com slash auction. Sox fans, home field isn't the same without you. Let's talk 2021 ticket packages. Get the best seats at the best prices for every big matchup to come in 2021. Call or text SOXTICKS. 
312-674-1000 or visit WhiteSox.com today. White Sox 3, the Cardinals 1. We're in the top of the 5th at Guaranteed Rate Field. If you're looking for the play-by-play broadcast of the game, it's on AM1000 today because we've got Blackhawks hockey coming up at 6.30. Chris Bowden has your pregame show. The Blackhawks are about to win four straight and take Vegas out of the playoffs, even though they do trail in the series two games to none. When's your podcast out with, with Mr. Bowden? Uh, well, the most recent one is out now. I don't know when we're going to do the next one. It'll probably be after two games or after the end of the series. Hopefully that's not the same time. Um, but after White Sox Weekly, I'll be leading up to Bowden. So, I mean, just stay tuned here the whole time for Sox and then Blackhawks and then the actual game. Should be a good time. I'm going to have to leave Joe Brand and go do the postgame show at some point here. Uh, so the show will get better when I get on out of here. Congratulations! <laughs> Enjoy the. In, I'll be. I won't have Mark the Carm. You won't. Man. You won't have at the Carm on Twitter. Please follow me. It makes my day. <laughs> I beg you. I will not be here for that portion, but I'll be racing back in right when I'm done because I'll I'll be missing you, Joe Brand. All right, let me let me address the things that uh, we were just talking about. Number one, the Joe Madden philosophy, where you're just positive and level. For the whole season, I think that's great. But sometimes getting in there and calling out what's not going on the right way, even if it doesn't result in a win the next day, is necessary. And I do think part of the reason why uh, Joe is now managing the Angels and not the Cubs is that there wasn't enough attention to detail over there. So, uh, which is one of the things that I really enjoy about Ricky Renteria because if you listen to his pregame conferences, he has uh, press conferences. You hear him talking about different things with the White Sox all the time. Now, the White Sox are also a very young team. So, you know, after you win a World Series and whatnot, maybe things, uh, you know, maybe you don't feel like you need to have that much attention. But Ricky is, way, is, is hands-on, um, and I, I think that's a especially good thing for a young team who's finding their way. But how do you get him to the next level? Well, you need a player in there who's going to – command some attention the way a veteran like Dallas Keiko would. And what I like about what he said is like, look, you, I am in here with you. You are not going to go out there, and I don't know who he was talking about. Um, there were a couple of plays against the Tigers where you maybe the effort could have been greater. I don't know if he was, he was honing in on that. I know you, you had one in mind, I, th- I think, that you wanted to bring yeah, up. Yeah, so, and, and this is not to shine a light on Aloy Jimenez or anything, but in, in the first inning, there were runners at first and second, maybe first and third, but Abreu's at first base. Detroit's infield is shifted to the left, and Jimenez scorches one up the middle. Now, he hit it right on the screws, but it's right at Nico Goodrum, who's playing second base, but it's basically right behind second base. So he wasn't expecting that to go right to him because it's a solid hit up the middle, but Nico Goodrum gets it. Nico Goodrum runs to second base, but Jose Abreu gets to second base before he can get the force out. So Nico Goodrum throws it to first base, and the throw beats Jimenez by a few steps, and I don't know. I listen. I again. This is not to point fingers. This is not to say this is totally Aloy Jimenez's fault. It's one out. It didn't make the difference in the game. But I wonder if that is something that may have triggered Dallas Keuchel. And that doesn't say Aloy Jimenez is a bad hustler or or immature or not having a spot on this team. It could just mean, hey, Aloy, 
We really appreciate you on this team. We need you. We need you at full effort all the time, something like that. And again, the fact that Dallas Keuchel did this before going to the media, I think you gain a lot of merit that way. The other thing that you mentioned about Cy Young, World Series, the other fact that he's a player, so players, other players can hate him. They don't, they don't have to like him, but they, they're going to be part of his team, and they're going to root for him when he's on the mound. But the difference when a player becomes vocal other than a manager is you don't have to like them. So, And that's another great point and an appreciation for Dallas Keuchel. Sometimes being liked in that clubhouse or wherever you are, wherever you go to work, or even at home, I would say, being liked is actually the booby prize and being respected is what you want. Dallas Keuchel's not here to make a bunch of lifetime friends. He's here to win a World Series. He signed here because the White Sox went out and got Yasmani Grandal. He saw they were heading in the right direction. He knew about how much young talent he wanted. He's been there before, so as he's assessing who's offering me money and who has a chance to win, he he picked the White Sox. It wasn't because... I'm sure money had a huge part in it, but it wasn't like it's like, oh man, Chicago's sweet. I want to go to Chicago Cut and and Gibson's. That and that wasn't. The, I want to. I want to. Ride. I want to be friends with all the White Sox and, and players. I'm going to become best friends with Jimmy Cordero, who's on the mound right now with two on and and uh, one out in the top of the fifth, and it's three one with Matt Carpenter at the plate. That's not why he came here. He came here because it was a lot of dough and he wanted to win. Would be my educated guess as to how guys make a decision. And that's probably why he took it so personally from what he saw. Again, from everything he said in that post-game comments of guys are not taking the right approaches at the plate, going through the motions. I mean, those are things that those are things that need to be addressed. So having a teammate who doesn't care if you like me or not like me, those teammates help. Let me think about the last time the White Sox won a World Series. Okay, that was 2005. Can you think of a guy on that team who was not well-liked but played huge in big moments and is a pretty good broadcaster, too, who you hated when he's on the other side but you loved him when he was on your team? I mean, everybody knows who you're talking about I don't know if everybody knows that I'm... Okay, fine. Everybody knows. I'm, <laughs> AJ Pierzynski well, right. or Mike Strubin. I thought you were going to go with him, too, the bat boy. By the way, if you Jordan. haven't heard the Mike Strubin piece on WGN Radio, feel free. Uh, Joe Brand did a 50-minute... 15 15-1-5. He, he did a 58-minute <laughs> introspective on the bat boy, Mike Strubin, who's an awesome guy, and I love Mike Strubin, but I'm just like making fun of Joe. Like No one has ever gone this in-depth. <laughs> On a Bat Boys experience at a World Series team, you should go to Joe Brand's Twitter. What is it at Joe underscore Brand One? You got it. Okay, that's you should be impressed that I just pulled that off <laughs> without looking at all. At, How about the fact that I knew what you were doing Monday night instead of what you knew what you were doing Monday e- night? B- equally impressive, maybe even more impressive. But at Joe underscore Brand One, you have it pinned there, and it is a fifteen-minute retrospective. That honestly, we should stop talking right now and just play it again. <laughs> it's so good. There was one day when Strubin came to the ballpark and he saw an extra bag of peanuts, and he thought that bag of peanuts could be the key to the White Sox winning, and he knew that Aaron Rowan was hungry. Here's Rowan on the peanuts. I mean, it's, it was unbelievable how the level of depth you went. You talked to Strubin for, what, two hours? We did, yeah. Two hours. It was a good, it was a good two-hour chat uh, right, when, right when quarantine happened, and I figured, hey, you know, I've heard your story before. Let's, let's let everybody hear your story now. <laughs> two hours boiled down to 15 minutes. That's good work right there. That, that, <laughs> that, that is seriously good work. But my point, we're winding back, is it is very valuable to have somebody in the clubhouse who doesn't care if they're liked. 
And there's a lot of team, there's a lot of guys around baseball who, you know what, I'm having a good time. These guys like me. I want to enjoy going to work. I don't want to have any controversy. I just want to go to my locker and play good baseball, and we're all going to come out the next day and do the same. Sometimes you need a little a little, a little somebody shakes things up. It's just a hard nose reality check kind of right. guy. And I think Dallas Keuchel's the guy to do it. it. And again, it's it's really cool. He pitched in two games for the team. He clearly was signed this year and he's the one being vocal about it. I think I think it also speaks to how highly he holds his team standards-wise and accountability-wise. Yeah. And I would uh we're looking at a replay of Paul Goldschmidt's home run to yes, left field. Yes, I, I did get a little bit distracted. I thought another home run just went out of the ballpark, <laughs> but that's not what happened. No, but this is a dangerous situation, no? Paul Goldschmidt, are the bases loaded or two runners on? Two runners on, two outs, and uh, out of the pen. Here comes Evan Marshall. So we'll keep you up to date on what's going on at Guaranteed Right Field. White Sox three, Cardinals two, and they're in the, they're in the top of the fifth. Uh, all right, let's, let's break at that, and I'll reconvene with... I was going to say something that I completely forgot. I did get distracted, and that's bad radio, but these things happen. I'm a human. That's what I was going to say. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> that this is bad radio? No, that's not what <laughs> I was going to say. you just said that. <laughs> I was going... The, the Aloy Jimenez thing, rewinding back to okay. that, where you know you were... Obviously, you don't want to go at a White Sox player, let alone on White Sox Weekly, and that's obviously not what we're doing here at all. But my point is this. No one in life in any profession, is perfect. And I need accountability around me. You, 58-minute Mike Strubin, might even need occasional accountability. I, I Curtis need more. Co- right. Curtis Koch, producing the program, he needs standards around him. He, We all do. So having somebody on your team who's, who you, who is willing to step into that and like, look, man, if you don't do things the right way, I'm going to call you out on it. That is a blessing for Eloy Jimenez or anybody else on that team. And hopefully somebody's doing it for Dallas Keuchel too because no one is perfect. And Someone probably did. I mean, that, right, he's, exactly. he's probably learned those traits from when he was on the Houston Astros and, and realized that's what made them a great team and went on to win the World Series, even if they were stealing signs. They still were a great team before that, too. So, yes, I, I mean, and that's just, that's just that's life, too. You need that every once in a while. T- tell me what I need to improve on, not what I'm doing great at. As Paul Goldschmidt hits a grounder up the middle, that's going to be an RBI infield single, and this game is tied at three at the top of the sucks. fifth inning. Off the glove of Mendek, diving up the middle. That would have been a miracle play, and it went to Tim Anderson, who threw it to first, not in time. Goldschmidt's safe. And we are tied at three with two outs and a runner we on first. Still, we still could do a little bit more salivating over Danny Mendick, though. Okay, we'll do that coming on back here. White Sox Weekly, 720 WGN. Seven twenty WGN. It's White Sox Weekly. What just happened in the Sox game, Joe Brand? I'll let you give the bad news. Well, uh, after Paul Goldschmidt's RBI infield single, Tyler O'Neill, former Mariners prospect, went deep off of Evan Marshall. It was a good pitch, uh, looked like a slider low and in, and he just belted it over the left field wall. So it's now five three St. Louis. The Cardinals have a runner at first with two outs. Uh, Dylan Carlson, who's making his Major League debut, he's up to the plate, still facing Evan Marshall. Jace Fry warming up in the bullpen. 0-1 count. And, uh, yeah, Sox are down by two. So they have now coughed up a 3-1 lead. Dylan Carlson just fouled that one high and deep to right. 
Um, Sox are in danger of falling to 0-4 in doubleheader games. And I know it's a weird, probably arbitrary stat, especially with these seven-inning ball games. Um, it's funny. Major League Baseball is just taking all of the minor league rules with the universal DH, the runner at second base, seven-inning doubleheaders. I am not complaining, but... These games are incredibly different. This this change, this rule change, is affecting the game way more than runner at second, universal DH, or three batter minimum. The seven-inning game? Yes. It's very collegiate. It's very it minor is. league. I don't hate it at all, just so you know. I don't either. I mean, I, I, I get it. I understand, especially this year. But this this is the most swaying away from the natural essence of the game. It it's a huge change. I mean, you look at game one. Sox are down four nothing in the first. That's tough to come back from already. That's even tougher to come back from in seven innings. And you think, well, I mean, you get to the fifth inning. Uh, it, we're not. It's, this is going to be tough to come back from. At least we've got a game after this. Because I, I think it, the overall stat is eighty percent of doubleheaders end up in a split. And right now, the Sox are in danger of getting swept. But there is still a lot of time. Sox will come up to bat at least three times still. There is some time. They, and they will bat at bare minimum three more times. And it is baseball 2020, which, speaking of that... Uh, and by the way, the Cardinals are missing a ton of players, too. We should put that in there. I mean, Matt Wieters is catching today. Uh, Yadi Molina is one of the ten players that are still out. Paul DeYoung's not there. Uh, right. Carlos Martinez. Where's Albert Pujols? Right. right. I mean, <laughs> where's Tommy Herr, William McGee, Vince Coleman? Let's go to back to my Scott childhood. Scott Rowland. Absolutely. That was a that was a nightmare. All right. Uh, let me – hold on a second. I just had another phenomenal point that I wanted to bring up. Oh, I got it. Thank you very much. So, baseball 2020, just as a reminder, as the Cardinals come back to play, the Reds and the Pirates will not be playing this weekend. Mm-hmm. So that news coming out today, the Reds becoming the third Major League Baseball team. Do we have games called off because one of their players tested positive for COVID-19? Uh, so the last two games of the series with the Reds and the Pirates in Cincinnati has been postponed. Um, so they will be doing contact tracing and all the rigmarole that you have to do nowadays. Yes. I think tomorrow is going to be 21 straight days that at least one game has been postponed due to COVID. And if you do not play in a bubble, my assumption is that this will continue. We are not in control. The virus is in control. For some reason, a lot of people want to fight that. You you got to think bizarre. you got to think that they're they're seriously looking at bubble situations for the playoffs, right? I, I've been saying that on these airwaves and on the side of the road to whoever will listen to me for a while now. You you quarantine the playoff teams for two weeks after the season. Oh, wow. You put it in a warm weather place and or a dome. So I don't – it's totally fine. You play it into the middle of November. You get all the all these sports TV attention. You're not playing games in 30 degrees. It's better – so – I, I think you cut off the last week of the regular season. That's fine, too. If, if, if not more. And that way, you can make up games, or if you don't need to make up games, you get ready for the playoffs. If you're not in the playoffs, you're done. Go home. Thanks for playing. And you do the, all the playoffs in Arizona. You've got That's fine. multiple major league facilities with multiple clubhouses. You can be totally socially distant there. There are major league dimensions in the field. Everything. 
I think Arizona is the best situation. All right, we'll come on back here after a news situation, and we will continue to banter about the playoffs. And we're going to play you some audio from Zach Plesek, which you don't want to miss. White Sox Weekly 720 WGN. Yet another one-two pitch, and that one's hit in the air, deep into left field. Turning and watching is Stewart, and this one's gone. A solo homer to lead off the game on the 10th pitch of the at-bat. Tim Anderson, victorious, and the White Sox lead it one to nothing here in the first. Yeah, energizer button, baby. You know, uh, just my presence. You know, being in that lineup definitely made the guys go. You know, make the other team scared. You know, just being in the lineup. And you've seen it yesterday. I didn't do much yesterday, but the guys came out and, and, and was ready to bang. Um, and was able to get the win. And, uh, you know, the same thing today. They come out with a lot of energy and, uh, you know, start the game off two home runs back to back. And that set the table. This is White Sox Weekly. That is your White Sox shortstop, Tim Anderson. Great to have Timmy back on the field. Start of the 5 o'clock hour. White Sox Weekly sponsored by Mazda of Orland Park and ZoomZoomNation.com where they're always trying to make your car shopping fun. Now we're going to play you a little Zach Plesek, Indians starter, who beat the White Sox last Saturday night and then decided that he wanted to go out and have dinner with his buddies. A socially distant dinner, but he broke curfew, which you're going to hear him talk about, and everything else, kind of amazing. Uh, But before we get to that, you want to update what's going on in the game? Uh, Yeah, still 5-3, St. Louis, bottom of the fifth inning, two outs, nobody on. Our guy Danny Mendick is up. He's 0-for-1 with a strikeout. As uh, is this Reyes pitching for St. Louis? Sure, and it's fouled away off to the right. So a two and two count now to Danny Mendick as the Sox trail five to three in the bottom of the fifth. Have you ever done any play by play? Only for the last ten years, minor league baseball for the well last seven for the Kane County Cougars. Prior to that, bounced around indie ball for a little bit and uh, do some UIC Flames basketball, some high school, some NIU basketball, too. And so now we just get naturally just step right into a play-by-play on a White Sox weekly on a Saturday afternoon. It's kind of a borderline dream come true. Well, sure, of course, only because you're to my left right now. But uh, Thank this, you so much. This is what all the pros are doing right now. They're doing play-by-play off the TVs right. in a studio. Which, by the way, for all you young broadcasters out there, as Steve Stone would once say, and probably still does say today every now and then, uh, if you want to be a play-by-play guy, sitting at home and doing play-by-play off the TV is not a terrible way to go. Or you can go like young Carm used to do and sit in the last row at Welsh Ryan Arena and do your basketball play-by-play. I was actually having a conversation with Jason Benetti about the whole play-by-play thing. And you know, basically that basketball is the easiest to do. I would agree. Because it unfolds right in front of you and you always have something to say versus baseball, which is maybe the easiest thing to do poorly because there's you know you don't there's not a lot of action and you're just talking, but much harder to do actually well because you a have to be a talk show host in some regard filling the time and then b you've got to get it right when the action happens, which is not that easy, and there's a pacing and everything. How would you describe this, Jill Brand, well, veteran, veteran, play-by-play guy? <laughs> I don't know about veteran, but by the way, Danny Mendick struck out. Ten uh, years as a veteran. So, as a minor league veteran, which I don't know if that really counts. Don't, but anyway... Don't like you doubting yourself or dogging yourself. Ten years, play-by-play, veteran, in this at this moment on White Sox Weekly, not letting you out of it. Veteran, Jill Brand, what do you think about that? The uh, newly named... Voice of the Chicago Bulls for television, Adam Amin, once broke it down pretty well. He said, 
calling a baseball game, on average, what, three hours, maybe three and a half, there's 11 minutes of actual action right. out of a three and a half hour broadcast. So, yes, you have to do your homework. you got to know stuff about the players. Radio, like now it's gotten to the point where I think radio is easier than television because radio, you can talk about whatever the heck you want to talk about. You're in control of everything. You're in control of turning on your mic. You're in control of leading into your color commentator if you're lucky enough to have one. When you do TV, you're kind of like a traffic cop. You've got replays, you've got graphics, you've got your partner, you've got your director that says, hey, I want to look at this angle, or here, get ready for this stat. And you're just, all these things are happening all at once, and you just got to make sure the whole thing goes afloat. And you got to complement the game rather than just break it down pitch by pitch in every single movement, because that's for radio, that's not for TV. So what you're saying, if you have a massive ego, you're much better in radio because you get to control it all and, and you can talk way more and if right. you love the sound of your voice you can just keep going and going and going and you're doing the right thing i do love the sound of my voice <laughs> do, do you want to get involved in some play-by-play then? do you want to take love, over i've always loved didn't you used to have i remember you telling me once one of your jobs in uh, texas i'm scared where you're gonna go yes where go you you not only were the play-by-play guy for a high school game or something not high school division was, two college okay my Thank bad you. my bad st but, edwards university go hilltoppers but before the game they handed you the mic and you did the national anthem as well so they no they, they there was a situation with one game where i think the public address announcer got sick and they're like, can you do the PA at least for the intros? Okay. And I said, absolutely. So I did my 10-minute on-the-internet pregame show for St. Edwards University Hilltopper Basketball, and I said, now let's turn it over to the PA announcer for the lineups. Did you say your name? And that would be me. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny you bring that up. Uh, John Weidman and Troy Murray are about to be here to do the Blackhawks game against Vegas. By the way, that's coming up at 7 o'clock puck drop. Chris Bowen's pregame at 6.30. Uh, John Weideman got his feet wet in minor league hockey, and he was working at the same arena that Chris Duffy was working at at the time. And a lot of people might know Chris Duffy, how he used to work here at WGN. Chris Duffy was the PA guy, John Weideman was the play-by-play guy, and they would share the same mic. They, John <laughs> Weideman would call the goal, and then he'd hand the mic up to Chris right behind him, and then Chris Duffy, goal scored by number whatever. So that, that's kind of worlds colliding. See, that is, that's good radio. It's slash, a small PA. It's a small fraternity, the uh, play-by-play in radio world. And the story, by the way, that you're alluding to also is there was one time where we didn't have a band for the national anthem or what school is this again? Let alone a singer. St. Edwards University, the Hilltoppers, great school, highly recommend it. But so we had a CD for the national anthem. Okay, that they would play on one of those old school CD players. Well, the CD broke, <laughs> and they turned to me right before the thing started. And said, "Can you sing the anthem?" And I'm like, "Are you nuts? Like I am not." belting out the anthem and getting away from this internet broadcast and and all the parents that are listening to me i cannot sing the anthem and they looked around and just one of the people at the scores was like well guess it's a group thing and the 200 and some odd people in attendance just we all sang the anthem it was actually quite lovely sometimes that's the best thing every once in a while they'll have like a little kid do it and then they get scared and then the whole crowd sings it i always thought that was pretty cool yeah um community i I love that story of, of you ready to belt out the national anthem 
Well, you, am I, are we doing this now? You yeah, want me to do this uh, well, now? Well, in a second. I, okay. That's a group thing. No, it's uh, yet. Yeah, you're <laughs> correct. It's exactly right. It is a group thing. I'm not going solo anthem out of nowhere. Uh, ain't happening. Sox fans, we're going to play some Zach Plesak sound coming on back here. But a reminder, for a limited time, you can celebrate life's special moments with a personalized message and image displayed on the iconic center field video board at Guaranteed Rate Field. It's perfect for birthdays, anniversaries, and more. Visit WhiteSox.com slash scoreboard to purchase your message today. Already planned. Planning a special occasion at the ballpark? We've got you covered. Let's talk 2021 group tickets with a variety of spaces perfect for you and your group. Call or text SOXTIX to 312-674-1000 or visit WhiteSox.com today. Zach Plesak of the Cleveland Indians went on Instagram and gave his thoughts on being suspended for breaking team rules and going out and having dinner against the White Sox and uh, he attacks the media. We're going to play that coming on back here. It is White Sox Weekly on 720 WGN. Seven twenty WGN five nineteen. Cardinals lead the White Sox five three as they go to the bottom of the sixth. Tim Anderson, top of the order, leading it off for the White Sox who are trying to avoid getting swept here. It's Anderson, Moncada, and Grandal. Uh, the White Sox have gotten a home run from Eloy Jimenez, his sixth, and Luis Roberts' third. Uh, Robert Moore straightaway center field, just to the right of center field, and uh, Eloy going out to right field. And uh, the Sox did have a lead here, uh, but uh, that is no longer, as the bullpen did give it up today, Jimmy Cordero. And uh, Evan Marshall, with his roughest outing of the season, did not get an out, gave up four hits, a couple of runs, ERA rising up to 2.89. And it was a bullpen day, uh, somewhat. Uh, Matt Foster wasn't expected to go too deep, but he did look great, three scoreless innings. But, yeah, you're kind of you're kind of asking a lot of the bullpen in that type of game. There's still six outs for the Sox to work with, though, so there, there's some game left. There is. Uh, the Midwestern University Multi-Specialty Clinic, I should remind you, is in Downers Grove and is open and able to meet your comprehensive health care needs. Patient safety as the number one goal. The clinic has taken a variety of steps with you in mind, including telehealth appointments for some services. Uh, their wide range of patient-centered health care includes the Dental Institute, Family Medicine Clinic, Speech Language Institute, Physical Therapy Institute, and their Eye Institute. You can learn more at MWUClinics.com or call 630-743-4500. The Midwestern University Clinic, your family's home for health care. Should we listen to Zach Plesak? Let's listen to Zach Plesak. Let's listen to Zach Plesak. What's up, guys? Happy Thursday. I uh, want to get on here and, and clear the air on some stuff. Kind of voice my opinion, voice um, some raw emotion to you guys and, and get out the truth so that you guys um, can kind of understand what's happening so we can all be on the same page because the media really is is, is terrible man the, the media is terrible Come and on. they do some evil evil things to create stories and to make things sound better uh, makes things sound worse and better or worse truthfully I'm disgusted the way the media has handled this whole situation um, surrounding our team and this is why based on my my feelings I want to get on here and express the truth to you guys and, and moving forward kind of the, the learning experience and maybe some things taken away from this whole experience but I think he yeah, ever gets out to in that. Chicago um, 
Your uncle works in the media. We, we played the White Sox in a day or a couple of days prior to, to leaving for this trip. The MLB came up with these new protocols that required a curfew and, and some other things that would keep us more isolated as, as baseball players and contain us more in, in like a bubble type sense. Um, and after my start, I went out to dinner with some buddies. We ended up going back to his place, same group that we went to dinner with, and we opened up baseball cards, picked our top two dudes from each pack, we're throwing bets down, you know, just having a good time, hanging out. Um, we broke curfew, I came back late, and I was reported by MLB security being out in public and coming back late to curfew, and the president of baseball operations decided to quarantine me for three days so that just in case you know if i was exposed to covid then it wouldn't spread to the rest of the team and it was a great decision on his part so i did my you know my time i rode in a car service back to cleveland great decision so he admits he is wrong and i've had to take these nasal swabs um boat in a car service back to cleveland and i've quarantined for three days and i've had to take these nasal swabs um, both negative and I asked the doctor you know today first off what is a safe environment for us to be in you know because things are inevitable you're gonna see people you're gonna socially interact based on you can't sit in a room all day is the truth of the matter so you I wanted to know how we can be safe and moving forward how I can basically make sure no one else gets put at risk who are at high risk and danger and i asked him what is the cdc like protocol like how many people is considered a safe gathering he wasn't sure he said it just changed like state to state and i said okay what is ohio's protocol for just this state and he didn't have an answer for me and i just did a little bit of research and i found out that it's changing you know day to day so that's part one of Zach Plesak making his somewhat odd case here. Now, look, the reason why we're playing it is he's on the Indians. The Indian staff is loaded. The Indians were acting like, well, we don't. We were considering sending Plesak down. Meanwhile, he's got the best walks and hits per innings pitch on the whole team. Zach Plesak does so, and he beat the White Sox. Uh, this, this guy's got a lot of talent. Uh, but he is having a very bizarre reconstruction of what went on. This is not, you know, you're talking to CDC doctors or whatever you're doing. Sir, Zach, the protocol for baseball teams right now that have been, that baseball players on each team, his teammates are enraged with him, is you don't get to go out and have dinner when you're on the road. Even if you're with five people or six people or three people or, of course, more than eight people, which is the actual rules. So I, I'm, and then he wants to blame the media, which is just kind of crazy because all he had to say was, you know, I, I was wrong, I made a bad decision, and I really apologize to my teammates, and that's it. Am I missing something here? No, he, in a perfect world, he says, you know what? I thought I was cautious enough, but I was not. I have a responsibility with this team. 
They made a decision. I have to respect that moving forward. I won't make a a mistake like this. He's trying to justify his actions. And honestly, okay, I guess it can seem harmless if you go out to dinner with a few of your friends. Right. And then you, you hang out in the backyard, and it's only six people, and you're six feet apart and all that. But... But it's the rules. It's it's not the fact that we're pointing our fingers at him saying, you're a terrible human being. He broke the rules. He understands it. I, I, I made the comment during the thing. He said MLB's protocol had him quarantined back to Cleveland, self-isolation, which was a good decision. Okay, so you're admitting that the protocols are the right decision. So you're admitting that you're wrong. All he has to do is apologize one time. Okay, I think it's time to uh, hear part two. That entire night, dinner, and hanging out at Buddy's place after, we were not with more than eight people the entire night. So media has portrayed me and my, my best friend and teammate to be malicious with our actions when we were really, you know, not justifying what we did because we left the hotel. And according to new rules, we weren't supposed to leave. But according to CDC and these guidelines with Corona, we were practicing safe practices in a small group with people who we know have been tested and came back to, to our, our curfew late, which was 10 p.m. And, are, and clearly been exposed as being bad teammates, bad people, and dragged across the mud, you know? Um, so it's hard to sit here and, and kind of watch how things shuffle out and people not knowing the truth and um, and, are, and clearly been exposed as being bad teammates, bad people, and dragged across the mud, you know? Um, so it's hard to sit here and, and kind of watch how things shuffle out and people not knowing the truth and... Um, I wanted to kind of voice, I guess, you know, my opinion, and I understand that By the there way, are he's risks driving while he's doing this whole thing. taking to play this game, and the last thing I would want to do is put anybody at risk. The last thing I would want to do, my little brother has type one diabetes. My mom's a nurse. I understand the significance of this illness and this disease, and I know how important it is that we must follow certain procedures and, and guidelines to ensure safety for the entirety of a group so it, it breaks my heart you know for people to to think I'm a bad teammate or a bad person um, but I wanted to share with you guys you know that moving forward you know there is a selflessness lesson taught here and at the end of the day I want everybody to be healthy I want to be a good teammate. I want to win baseball games, man. That's all I want to do. So whatever it takes for me to get back on that diamond and start shoving it up, people, trust me, I'll be ready when they when they need me. But I wanted to get on here and, and just express to you guys kind of the truth of what happened, how this whole thing kind of got blown into a case study on, on coronavirus. And, um, you know, moving forward, I want you guys to know that the most important thing to me is is my teammates and my family and 
the people I care about. And, you know, I care about all you guys. If you care about me, I appreciate you. But I just want you to know. So, and I believe that he, in theory at least, cares about his teammates. Uh, well, when we come back here, his teammates have spoken. We'll tell you exactly what they've said. Uh, which is a very interesting conversation, how the Cleveland Indians, White Sox rival in the division, are handling the situation of Zach Plesak and Mike Clevenger, who broke curfew and protocol and lots of other things when they were in Chicago playing the White Sox last week. Uh, Sox, by the way, trailing 5-3, top of the 7th. Uh, Matt Carpenter with the base hit up the middle to lead off the inning. Sox are going to try to get out of that inning and then score 3 in the 7th and split this doubleheader. It is White Sox Weekly on 720 WGN. Sox fans get back into the swing of things with the best seats in the ballpark. Let's talk 2021 premium seating with all-inclusive areas, first-class service, and more. Call or text SOXTIX to 312-674-1000 or visit WhiteSox.com today. 0-2 count, one out, top seven, five, three, Cardinals leading the White Sox. If you want to hear the game live, you can go over to AM1000. We, of course, will keep you up to date on what is going on over at Guaranteed Rate Field. And Blackhawks hockey coming up with Chris Bowden's pregame show less than an hour away, 6.30. It's game three with Vegas. And uh, just real quick before we get back to Plesek, one Blackhawks key for tonight would be... Stay physical. Stay physical. All right. I like it. So here, we just played Zach Plesek's Instagram video post. So this is what's going on in Cleveland. Thursday night, Plesek, along with Mike Clevenger of the Indians, who both broke the rules and went out in Chicago after the White Sox in Cleveland played last Saturday night, they drove from Cleveland to Detroit, meeting up with their teammates. And they were told by the Indians, you can bring your gear and we're going to have a discussion with you, and maybe we'll activate you, and maybe we won't. Going to get a single here and make it first and uh, double, make that a hustling double, second and third here with nobody out here in the ninth as the Cardinals looking for some more insurance. Top seven. So Top seven, I'm sorry. Thank you. Practically the ninth. A 20-29th and a doubleheader. <laughs> but technically, actually not technically, it is the seventh <laughs> inning. Thank you. So Friday morning, they meet with the Indians traveling party at the, at the hotel. Okay, so they've driven, they go to Detroit, they give their side of the story about what they did in Chicago. They were asked questions by their teammates, they were asked questions um, about the coronavirus and, and, and how they were handling it, and then they met with Chris Antonetti, Mike Chernoff, Terry Francona, and the pitching coach, that's the manager, the general manager, pitching coach, they're all meeting with the two players. And, by the way, they had taken the temperature of the room during the meeting the upper-level Indians personnel had. And after seeing what their teammates wanted and conferring with them, they decided that Plesek and Clevenger, after driving to Detroit from Cleveland, were going to be activated from the restricted list, but they were going to be optioned to the team's alternate training site. So they had to get back into their cars and drive back the three hours that they just drove and go to Classic Field in Eastlake where they're going to have to stay for 10 days. So that it's got nothing to do with anything other than their teammates were like, no, you were not a great teammate. We don't know if you have it or not have it. And even if you don't, we still don't appreciate the way you've gone about your business and we don't want you on the club. And by the way, these are two of their best pitchers, starting pitchers, which are hard to find. I want to know what 
malicious takes were said in Cleveland. I'm not too up to date with the Cleveland media, especially the Cleveland baseball team beat. But I, I want to know what Zach Plesek was referencing with the media can be malicious and evil. Because honestly, my first thought was he was probably out with his friends. Maybe he was at a bar. Probably shouldn't have done that. As That's a deep drive to center. But Luis Robert running it down as he slows down into the wall, left center field. It stays a 5-3 St. Louis lead heading into the bottom of the seventh. Somehow during that rant, the Cardinals scored a run at 6-3. I don't know exactly. It is 6-3? Oh, wow. I didn't see that. Yeah. Okay. 6-3. Yeah. Go Continue on, please. Well, so I actually just texted a few Cleveland friends. I wish I did this earlier. But the whole thing is it's his teammates that are really ragging on him. It. From what I know, it's not the media. Here's what Adam Pletko said, another pitcher in the rotation. They hurt us bad. They lied to us. They sat here in front of you guys and publicly said things that they didn't follow through on. Uh, he goes He goes on to call them grown blank men who can sit there and tell you guys what happened and tell you what they're going to do to fix it. I don't need to hear that from them. Shane Bieber went on to say, we love Zach, we support him, but he screwed up. Dan Plesak, Zach's uncle, has been on the record of saying, hey, I love my nephew, he's a great kid, he's a fantastic pitcher, which he is, but he made the wrong decision here, and the follow-up is making himself look bad. Now he and Clevenger are in Lake County, I guess East Lake, Ohio, that's the home of the Lake County Captains of the Midwest League, um, for those Midwest League fans out there, but... It just, I, I don't get why it's so hard to just say, I'm sorry. Uh, like, just for this. I didn't see anybody calling for Zach Plesak's head just saying, you know what, you shouldn't have done that. Maybe it was an immature move, but all you had to do was say, I didn't take it as seriously as I should have. I thought I was taking it seriously. But he goes on to say how he agrees with Major League's protocols for what happened after, and then all the talk about talking with the CDC or whatever the acronym is, that was all afterwards. That, that was that was getting in trouble and then trying to figure out the facts after it happened to justify what you did. Right, and look, I think the most bizarre comment that he made was like, nobody can just sit in a room and do nothing. Yeah. A lot of people are actually sitting in rooms and doing nothing, and Yes, that's not ideal living. I agree 100%. However, when you are, and I don't want to be a heavy-handed guy on the radio, that guy's annoying, but when you are in, when you're on a team in a short season, sometimes you're not going to get to do everything you want to do just to, to be a part of the team and to get to make the money that you're getting to make which you have earned, by the way, incredibly hard to get to where you got to in life. Congratulations. That's a huge accomplishment. You should be very proud of yourself. Uh, but you should also realize that, you know what, uh, part of this deal is that I don't get to do whatever I want to do. Even if what he was doing was basically nothing, just going out and having dinner. I, I get it. Like I, I see his perspective. Like I didn't do anything. I just went and had dinner. I, I, I agree. Yeah. I, honestly, when he got caught, that's what I thought. That's the first thing I thought. He was probably out with a few friends having dinner, came back late. Right. You just got to bite the bullet. Like, right. Take right. the L and move on. Right. And and he and he did it at a house. He, they weren't out at a bar having dinner, or you know, even even sitting outside on Clark Street or wherever. Uh, but but it, it doesn't matter. It's it's irrelevant. Aloy Jimenez leading off the bottom of the seventh with a base hit up the middle here as the White Sox try to mount a rally. Uh, the Cardinals, by the way, got their sixth run on a sack fly from Brad Miller. So yeah, um, I totally missed that. 
Uh, Andrew Miller in the game now, though, right? Pitching for the Cardinals. Okay. Uh, going, going. <laughs> Didn't notice that. Uh, yeah, that's, that's him, right? Him. Wow. That is him. Looks okay. totally different without the beard. Yeah. Um, going back to not being able to sit in a room, I don't know how Cleveland approached this whole staying in the hotels on the road and everything, but Mark Craig and uh, Patrick Mooney had a great article in The Athletic about a few of the teams that have really gone above and beyond figuring out everyone's precautions and all the arrangements that the team will have when going to a game. They have their meetings in the hotel spaced out in conference rooms. They find hotels with uh, courtyards outdoors so that they can be with their teammates, socially distant. They can interact. They can break away from just being in the room. But, I mean, these are smart guys. you got to just figure it out. Hey, you want to hang out in the conference room and and play video games or something. I mean, you can figure that out. I get I get being quarantined sucks. Pretty much everybody in the world has had to deal with it. So you got to just figure something out. You know what's interesting in the world of quarantine and professional athletes is that the NBA actually has a rule that once they get in the playoffs in the second round, family can come and visit or you can have a visitor. Have you seen this? Somewhat, yes. Yes. But they, you have to have had a long-standing relationship with this person. <laughs> so basically, the NBA is concerned that these professional athletes are going to meet someone on Instagram. Got it. Who's willing? They did ban Instagram models, right? I that I think that's right. But regardless, like so, basically, if you have a guest, no, it has to visits. stay that guest. Right. You can't have rotating guests. Yes, right, and you have to establish, even if it's just that guest for that one particular time, you need to be able to establish, wow. or for that period of time, that this person is someone that you have known for a while and is not just going to be there until you guys get tired of each other, so to speak. I also, didn't, didn't a certain website offer a package for NBA players, a premium package for free. That was offered as well. Okay, and uh, I just you know, and in a total it's, legal matter too. Oh, not, of not we're not we're not talking about anything illegal. Dif- different different world that these guys live in. Uh, so, but um, I guess my point in bringing that up is that uh, Zach Plesac, which wouldn't have been a great choice either. But there's plenty of things you can do in a hotel room. You know, you don't have to. There, there's, there's ways around the, the complete boredom here. I don't know. It's, but I mean, you, what about, or what about getting a movie? Have, <laughs> what about a Netflix? There's what be something what going movie on should Zach Plesak watch during quarantine? Three one two nine eight one. Yeah. No. What, what entertainment should could Zach have that he wasn't? Let's, let's make a movie list for Zach Plesak. Send it to him, and then have him review uh, which ones he liked and didn't like. What what? One on, one out, bottom of the seventh inning. Cardinal six, White Sox three, Luis Robert at the plate, Andrew Miller on the mound. Uh, come on back here, wrap up White Sox weekly. Take a little look at the week ahead. Uh, Joe's probably going to have most of that segment for you. That is next, 720 WGN. This portion of White Sox Weekly, sponsored by Mazda of Orland Park and ZoomZoomNation.com, where they're always trying to make your car shopping fun. White Sox emails bring the ballpark to you with the latest videos, breaking team news, special offers, and more. Register for free today at whitesocks.com slash email. Yeah. See them run. Cardinal.
Cardinals sweep the White Sox. 6-3 the final in Game 2. So a lost day at guaranteed rate field. 5-1 the Cards take the first one. 6-3 they take the second one. Uh, Sean in Crown Point, Indiana has a movie idea for Zach Plesek <laughs> and Mike Clevenger. As we try- I got it. Yeah, go ahead. How you friend. doing? Good. How are How you? How you doing? Oh, pretty good. Um, I got three of them. Okay. Can I, can, I, can I do all three? Sure. Okay, the first one would be Above the Law. Then they became the Expendables 2. <laughs> and now they're on the long road home. <laughs> <laughs> That's excellent. Thank you, Sean. Good creativity. You too. Good creativity. 549. Uh, Joe Brand, have a good show. I'll see you in a little while. How about one more movie? One more movie? Go ba- ahead. Band of Brothers? Band of Brothers would be good. I would say Midnight Run. <laughs> yeah. You know? I mean, if you're going to... I just always think of that uh, Wedding Crashers line. Band of Brothers. You should watch it. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, have a great postgame yeah, show. I'll, I'll, I'll see you a little bit. All right. So uh, that's Mark Carmen. He's heading out. Big thanks to him as the White Sox do get swept in the doubleheader. Against the St. Louis Cardinals, six to three, the final in Game Two. They lost Game One, five to one. So the White Sox are now zero and four in doubleheader games. I don't know what that means, but it's obviously not great. First doubleheader was actually a, a true doubleheader. That was before they changed the rules, so they played eighteen innings and they lost both games to Cleveland. Uh, St. Louis comes to Chicago in forty-one rental cars. And they play their first baseball games since July 29th, and they sweep the Sox in the twin bill. Obviously, it's not great. Obviously, there are some concerns about this White Sox offense right now, a team that's one game under five hundred. I'll say this right off the bat. This team has dealt and is dealing with injuries. These past two games... Really the only blemish in the lineup, I mean, you're missing Nick Madrigal. That's kind of it. You're missing no one, well, okay, Leary Garcia, but that that's also a result of, of missing Nick Madrigal. Uh, kudos to Danny Mendick doing a fine job these past two games. He had the only uh, couple of hits in the first game, I believe, and then went 0 for 2 in the second game, but... Uh, Danny Mendick really doing a nice job of showing how he should be a major league player. Look, I get it. This offense is supposed to be explosive. It's supposed to be deep. It's supposed to be a power-hitting team. But this is the drawback you do get with a power-hitting lineup. You kind of live and die on the home run. And I'm not saying that's what the White Sox are doing right now. But you've got some big swingers. And right now, guys like Edwin Encarnacion... Even Yasmani Grandal are not getting off to the starts that you would hope so. Grandal, after today, he's hitting 228. He's got an OPS of 633, though, so he's walking a little bit. Edwin Encarnacion, an OPS of 502 with a batting average of 163. So, I mean, those are free agents you need to perform. Uh, Aloy Jimenez, homer today, six home runs on the year. His OPS is at 815. I mean, he's... He's hitting 250 right now. I don't think you're expecting Aloy Jimenez to be in the 300 range. You just want to see him have good at-bats, show signs of power. That's what he's been doing. Still having some trouble chasing sliders low and away, but honestly, who isn't? 
I mean, Luis Robert is just showing that he's human right now. He's he's not slumping. He's just showing that you that he's human. I mean, he went one for three today. Uh, picked up an RBI. He's hitting two eighty two. He's got an eight sixteen OPS. Still a whole bunch of upside for that guy. Um, Tim Anderson. I was really impressed with him leading off on Tuesday. This was after the Dallas Keuchel comments. Had a great at bat to start the game off against Matthew Boyd. I was in the belief that this lineup should be Yoan Mankata number one. You got a switch hitter who walks. Tim Anderson number two. You got a contact guy that can move the runner over. The numbers have proven me wrong. Tim Anderson is actually a much better hitter when he's batting leading off. Tim Anderson has, let me see, I got the numbers somewhere. But Tim Anderson, or I take that back, Yoan Mankata has better numbers hitting second. He's got an OPS around 900 when he's hitting second. His OPS is around 700 when leading off. Tim Anderson's numbers don't fluctuate that much, but Tim Anderson is a guy that right now, this year and last year, will grind out at bats. He will make a pitcher show what he has, and he's a guy that's not going to give you an easy out. Will he walk? Most of the time, no. Yoan Mankata will more than he... But I think you're getting to a point now in baseball where, yes, walks are very valuable, but so is grinding out at bats, and maybe even to the extent where it's more valuable just because you might see a few more pitches than you would in a walk. I get I get it. That's a very deep conversation and argument. But Tim Anderson is showing that he can be the leadoff hitter. It's a very streaky offense. It really is. We've seen them go down, then back up, then down back up again, and now hopefully they're not on a downward slide, but getting swept by St. Louis, I get why those notions are brought back. Also, these are two games that are being played in seven innings, and I'm not sitting here as an apologist for what has gone on with the White Sox. These these hitters need to do better. They do. That, that's 100%. I, I think you're seeing a few more of the concerns that Dallas Keuchel brought up after Monday's game. Maybe the approaches aren't so great. I mean, they had, what, three hits in the first game and now three hits in the second game? These seven-inning games, Mark Carmen and I were talking about it, and these seven-inning games are making the game so much more different than the universal DH, than a reliever that comes in and faces three batters, than a runner at second base and extra innings. Seven-inning games are making these games totally different. I'm not saying that's why the White Sox lost two games today. I'm not saying that. But you got Lucas Giolito who goes out, has some trouble locating the fastball, and I get it. That happens. I don't even... Th- I, he, he didn't get shelled by St. Louis. He missed on a few pitches. He hits Matt Carpenter, who hasn't done that. That's like something that every major league pitcher has done. And then Dexter Fowler pokes one into left center field. All of a sudden, you're down three zip. All of a sudden, you're in a 4-0 hole. And you think, we've got two less innings to work with. This is kind of a daunting task. Adam Wainwright is on his game right now. But you know what? There's another game coming up. And that kind of looked to be the case. Matt Foster comes out there. By the way, Matt Foster, it's insane how these, these White Sox pitchers just come up and do well. But... The fact that Matt Foster is able to do that, Zach Birdie's able to do that. Jimmy Cordero had a bad game today, but he's pretty consistent. I mean, this whole White Sox bullpen has been coming through. We're going to take another break. Uh, stay with us as we wrap up White Sox Weekly here on 720 WGN.